Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanante, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. On today's show, we're going to be talking about some of the challenges regarding Medicare Advantage denials. And to help us understand more about that, I'm joined by Bessler's Director of Revenue Integrity Solutions, Laura Legg. Laura, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. I'm happy to be here. So, Laura, in an earlier podcast, you shared with us that payer denials are one of the top three challenges that is of the greatest concern to uh, revenue cycle leaders. What makes Medicare Advantage denials stand out? Well, Mike, as I work with clients and as I um, go across the nation speaking about uh, denials and revenue integrity, I find that Medicare Advantage denials stand out because I'm often asked about how to navigate them. I think revenue cycle uh, leaders um, find the Medicare Advantage denial appeal process to be very burdensome, confusing, and lacking in clear rules and definitions. So that's really what makes it stand out. They also, the MA's uh, time-consuming and complex appeal process. And so really, there's not a lot of staff out there, perhaps in hospitals that are experienced with negotiating Medicare Advantage. So a lot of organizations don't even try to appeal. They just accept the decreased reimbursement. Uh, In 2018, the OIG uh, did a thorough research and audit of MA plans and they discovered that providers and Medicare beneficiaries only file appeals 1% of the time. So that is really low and really concerning because most denials are overturned at the first level of appeal. Laura, can you share um, some more information about the first level of Medicare Advantage appeal uh, success rates? I can, Mike, and the success rate is phenomenal. Um, According to the OIG report, uh, Medicare Advantage overturned 75% of their own denials at the first level of appeal. And not only that, but additional denials were overturned by independent reviewers at a higher appeal level. So this, of course, raises concern that Medicare Advantage plans are denying payment and authorization for services that should have been provided. Even more concerning is that beneficiaries and providers, as I said earlier, are only appealing 1% of the time. So that really is um, pointing to us that the the process of appeal is just too burdensome. So Laura, why don't we take a a quick step back and describe for the audience uh, the different levels of appeals related to Medicare Advantage denials. I can do that, Mike, and it's important um, for people to know that these uh, appeal levels uh, should be very well described within their contracts with Medicare Advantage plans, but let's quickly review them because I think that might be helpful. There are actually four levels of administrative review, and they include several different entities. At each level of review, the denial can be overturned, partially overturned, or upheld. If the denial is overturned, Mike, then the Medicare Advantage plan must authorize or pay for the service. If the denial is not fully overturned, the beneficiary or provider can appeal the decision to the next level of review. So let's start with the very first level, Mike, which um, is deemed in your contract as first level appeals. 
And this is where the Medicaid Advantage uh, plan and their quality improvement organization will reconsider their decision to deny authorization or payment for the service. So the Medicare Advantage plan is required to review the evidence that led to the original decision and any additional evidence that the beneficiary or provider can submit of part of the, as part of the appeal. And any additional evidence, Mike, usually means documentation from the patient's record. So that's the first level of appeal. Um, now, if you go on to the second level of appeal, that's done by an independent review entity. So this is a really important part of the process, Mike, because this person is going to review the appeal denial by the MA to determine whether the MA made the correct decision. And this is someone who should be impartial. It's usually a CMS contractor that employs physicians and other consultants to review the appeal and determine whether the MA complied with the Medicare requirements. If the independent review entity upholds or partially overturns a denial, beneficiaries and providers may choose to appeal at the next level. So let's go on then to the third level of appeal. So this is a well-known level of appeal and known across the industry as a successful level um, in part, um, mostly. Uh, Administrative law judges are the third level of appeal, and they're within the Office of Medicare Hearings and Appeals. They will review both the independent review entity and the quality improvement organization's decisions. Now, this is where hospitals can be are very successful at winning appeals. Um, most often, the administrative law judge does, um, does side with the hospital. If the beneficiary provider or MA is dissatisfied with the decision of the administrative law judge, they can choose to appeal uh, to the next level. What can stop some people from moving on, Mike, to the third level of appeal with the administrative law judge is the time to wait as well as the cost. But that is the third level of appeal. And I'll now just speak briefly, Mike, about the fourth level of appeal. So this is where you've exhausted all other efforts. You've gone through the first three levels, so now you're going to go to the Medicare Appeals Council. Um, and they are within the Departmental Appeals Board. They will review the beneficiary, the provider, and the MA's appeals and decisions, uh, as well as the administrative law judge's decision. Then the Medicare Appeals Council, which is the last level of review within the Department of Health and Human Services, <clears throat> um, will make a decision. If beneficiaries, providers, or MAs are dissatisfied with this decision, then they can appeal at the federal district court level by filing a civil action. But real honestly, Mike, most MA appeals don't ever reach, uh, denials don't ever reach those higher levels of appeal. So, Laura, what are some of the other concerns surrounding the high level of Medicare Advantage denials that concern OIG and CMS? Well, I think the biggest concern really, Mike, is for the beneficiaries themselves and the care they're receiving. The OIG presented the central concern in their report about capitated payment model that the MAs are functioning under is a possible potential incentive for insurers to deny access to services and payment to increase their own profit. So this is where MIs are under a lot of scrutiny by the OIG as well as CMS. Under their capitated payment model, 
beneficiaries enroll in a managed care plan and Medicare pays the insurance, the insurer, which is called the Medicare Advantage Organization, a risk-adjusted payment each month for as long as the beneficiary is enrolled. So that risk-adjusted payment, Mike, is determined by how um, ill the patient is, including their chronic uh, diagnoses, and really how much risk the uh, MA is going to go through throughout the year to pay for their care. In exchange for that monthly payment, the Medicare Advantage plan agrees to authorize and pay for all medically necessary services for the beneficiary that fall within Medicare's benefit package. Now, Medicare Advantage plans can inappropriately deny authorization of services or payments to healthcare providers who care for beneficiaries, and this can contribute to physical or financial harm. They also may misuse Medicare program dollars that CMS pays for beneficiary healthcare. And this is a big and growing problem, Mike, because Medicare Advantage covers so many beneficiaries, more than 20 million in 2018. So even low rates of inappropriately denied services or payment can create significant problems for many Medicare beneficiaries and their, their providers. And you know, MA programs are very popular among beneficiaries and that isn't going away anytime soon. And Mike, some of the reasons that those, those um, plans are so attractive to Medicare beneficiaries is Medicare Advantage plans offer some extra benefits uh, that original Medicare doesn't cover, such as vision, hearing, and dental. So those are very attractive to retiring seniors. Also, the Medicare Advantage plans out-of-pocket costs can be lower, which is also attractive. Um, also, Medicare Advantage plans are available even if you have a pre-existing condition. So these are attractive uh, to seniors and they are definitely growing and not going away anytime soon. The thing that's important for us to remember is that each plan is different and each plan can have its own rules. Laura, were any recommendations made or actions taken by CMS to protect providers and Medicare beneficiaries after the Medicare Advantage audit? They were, Mike. In fact, the OIG had three major recommendations to, recommendations to CMS. The first one, they'd like to see more oversight of Medi Medicare Advantage contracts. So that just means um, those with really high overturn rates and low appeal rates, um, CMS would like to, the OIG would like to see CMS taking more corrective action. And those would include, you know, more oversight, more auditing, um, initiating corrective, corrective action plans with MAs that seem to be doing these things inappropriately. So that's the first recommendation. The second recommendation, Mike, is that they address the persistent problems related to the inappropriate denials and insufficient denial letters in the Medicare Advantage um, that were found in the Medicare Advantage CMS audit. Um, they really saw a lot of insufficient denial letters issued to beneficiary providers. So in other words, the, they weren't clear and concise and maybe the beneficiary especially, but even perhaps the provider couldn't understand why the service was being denied. The second thing that um, CMS uh, audit pointed out was an insufficient outreach before issuing denial. So um, is the MA reaching out for additional documentation or explanation before just issuing a denial? 
And then third of all, Mike, which is probably the most important and affects beneficiaries the most, is incorrect clinical decisions. Um, so this brings us to the question of, uh, is the MA receiving all of the clinical documentation? Um, is the appropriate person reviewing it then? And are those clinical um, decisions sound and, and in alignment with standard practice? So those really are the three recommendations uh, made by OIG to CMS. And last of all, they're really wanting uh, to provide beneficiaries with clear, easily accessible information about the, vi the violations from Medicare Advantage. And because these results no longer impact the star ratings for the Medicare Advantage plans, that's a problem because beneficiaries logging in uh, to see those star ratings don't realize really what's going on behind the scenes. So that kind of information should be clear, meaningful, and easily accessible to beneficiaries in areas where beneficiaries can typically access that kind of information, such as the Medicare plan finder website. Laura, what can providers do to get ahead of the Medicare Advantage denials? Mike, there's a couple of things they can do, and, and probably the most important is getting really familiar with those Medicare Advantage contracts. Um, really, there's, uh, the provider's success may well depend upon the hospital's contract with the uh, Medicare Advantage organization. Um, although the Medicare Advantage organization should cover all Medicare Part A and Part B benefits, the contract terms can include varying criteria. So certain organizations within their contract may have established definitions and criteria for clinical validity for diagnosis, uh, as one example, if you sign a contract, then you're bound to those definitions and criteria. So that information really has to go all the way back to your clinical documenters. But a robust denial program really is necessary to manage those MA denials. Um, denials management staff should work with clinicians. That's very important. Um, not only providing feedback back to clinicians about their documentation, but tracking, reporting, and monitoring those Medicare Advantage denials and looking for opportunities to improve and establish more effective processes. And really important, this is really a team sport, Mike. Um, you have to go all the way from tracing back to who receives the denial uh, notifications. Um, do they go to a centralized um, area? Lots of questions to ask yourself. Um, it's best if providers organize those denial issues by plan and by their dollar impact and volume. And of course, some of the issues will repeat across different Medicare Advantage plans. But I always recommend, Mike, that they create a tracking spreadsheet and a database to monitor and track the data and the outcomes. It's really important, and I can't stress enough, that providers take the time to learn and understand the CMS guidelines for inpatient care, uh, such as the two midnight rule, the observation rules, those kinds of things. But most of all, Mike, it's really a matter of knowing your contracts and using them to reduce or counter these denials. Laura, great content. Uh, appreciate you coming by the podcast today to help everyone understand a little bit more about how they can handle Medicare uh, Advantage denials at their facilities. Thank you, Mike. 
This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.